Section five of the Lay of the Last Minstrel by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Lay of the Last Minstrel, Canto Fourth. One. Sweet Teviot, on thy silver tide the glaring bale fires blaze no more. No longer steel clad warriors ride along thy wild and willowed shore. Where'er thou winest, by dale or hill, all, all is peaceful, all is still, as if thy waves, since time was born, since first they rolled upon the tweed, had only heard the shepherd's reed, nor startled at the bugle horn. 2. Unlike the tide of human time, which, though it change in ceaseless flow, retains each grief, retains each crime its earliest course was doomed to know and darker as it downward bears is stained with past and present tears low as that tide has ebbed with me it still reflects to memory's eye the hour my brave my only boy fell by the side of great dundee why when the volleying musket played against the bloody highland blade why was not i beside him laid enough he died the death of fame enough he died with conquering graham three now over border dale and fell full wide and far was terror spread for pathless marsh and mountain cell the peasant left his lowly shed the frightened flocks and herds were pent beneath the peel's rude battlement and maids and matrons dropped the tear while ready warriors seized the spear from branksome's towers the watchman's eye dun wreaths of distant smoke conspire which curling in the rising sun showed southern ravage was begun four now loud the heedful gateward cried prepare ye all for blows and blood what tinlin from the liddell side comes wading through the flood full oft the tyndale snatchers knock at his lone gate and prove the lock it was but last st barnabright they seized him a whole summer night but fled at morning well they knew in vain he never twanged the yew right sharp has been the evening shower that drove him from his liddell tower and by my faith the gateward said i think twill prove a warden raid five while thus he spoke the bold yeoman entered the echoing barbican he led a small and shaggy nag that through a bog from hag to hag could bound like any bilhope stag it bore his wife and children twain a half-clothed serf was all their train his wife stout ruddy and dark-browed of silver brooch and bracelet proud laughed to her friends among the crowd he was of stature passing tall but sparely formed and lean withal a battered marion on his brow a leathern jack as fencenow on his broad shoulders loosely hung a border axe behind was slung his spear six scottish ells in length seemed newly dyed with gore his shafts and bow of wondrous strength his hardy partner bore six thus to the lady did tinlin show the tidings of the english foe belted will howard is marching here and hot lord dacre with many a spear and all the german hackbutt men who have long lain at Ascaton. they crossed the liddell at curfew hour and burned my little lonely tower the fiend received their souls therefore it had not been burned this year and more 
barnyard and dwelling blazing bright served to guide me on my flight but i was chased the livelong night black john of akeshore and fergus graeme fast upon my traces came until i turned at priest or scrog and shot their horses in the bog slew fergus with my lance outright i had him long at high despite he drove my cows last fastens night seven now weary scouts from liddersdale fast hurrying in confirmed the tale as far as they could judge by ken three hours would bring to teviot's strand three thousand armoured englishmen meanwhile full many a warlike band from teviot Ail, and ettrick shade came in their chief's defence to aid there was saddling and mounting in haste there was pricking o'er moor and lee he that was last at the trysting place was but lightly held of his gay lady eight from fair st mary's silver wave from dreary gamasclu's dusky height his ready lances thirlstain brave arrayed beneath a banner bright the treasured fleur de luce he claims to wreathe his shield since royal james encamped by fala's mossy wave the proud distinction grateful gave for faith mid feudal jars what time save thirlestain alone of scotland's stubborn barons none would march to southern wars and hence in fair remembrance worn yon sheaf of spears his crest has borne hence his high motto shines revealed ready ay ready for the field nine an aged knight to danger steeled with many a moss trooper came on and asia in a golden field the stars and crescent graced his shield without the bend of murdiston wide lay his hands round oakwood tower and wide round haunted castle o'er high over borthwick's mountain flood his wood-embosomed mansion stood in the dark glen so deep below the herds of plundered england low his bold retainers daily food and bought with danger blows and blood marauding chief his sole delight the moonlight raid the morning fight not even the flower of yarrow's charms in youth might tame his rage for arms and still in age he spurned at rest and still his brows the helmet pressed albeit the blanched locks below were white as dinlay's spotless snow five stately warriors drew the sword before their father's band a braver knight than hardin's lord ne'er belted on a brand ten scots of eskdale a stalwart band came trooping down the todshaw hill by the sword they won their land and by the sword they hold it still hearken lady to the tale how thy sires won fair eskdale earl morton was lord of that valley fair the beatisons were his vassals there the earl was gentle and mild of mood the vassals were warlike and fierce and rude high of heart and haughty of word little they recked of a tame liege lord the earl into fair eskdale came homage and seigneury to claim of gilbert the galliard a heriot he sought saying give thy best steed as a vassal ought dear to me is my bonny white steed oft has he helped me at pinch of need lord and earl though thou be i trow i can rein bucksfoot better than thou word upon word gave fuel to fire till so high blazed the beatison's ire but that the earl the flight had ta'en the vassals there their lord had slain saw he plied both whip and spur as he urged his steed through eskdale muir and it fell down a weary weight just on the threshold of branksome gate eleven 
the earl was a wrathful man to see full fain avenged would he be in haste to branksome's lord he spoke saying take these traitors to thy yoke for a cast of hawks and a purse of gold all eskdale i'll sell thee to have and hold beshrew thy heart of the beatison's clan if thou leavest on esk a landed man but spare wood kerrick's lands alone for he lent me his horse to escape upon a glad man then was branksome bold down he flung him the purse of gold to eskdale soon he spurred amain and with him five hundred riders has ta'en he left his merry men in the mist of the hill and bade them hold them close and still and alone he wended to the plain to meet with the galliard and all his train to gilbert the galliard thus he said know thou me for thy liege lord and head deal not with me as with morton tame for scots play best at the roughest game give me in peace my heriot due thy bonny white steed or thou shalt rue if my horn i three times wind eskdale shall long have the sound in mind twelve loudly the beaterson laughed in scorn little care we for thy winded horn ne'er shall it be the galliard's lot to yield his steed to a haughty scot wend thou to branksome back on foot with rusty spur and miry boot he blew his bugle so loud and hoarse that the dun deer startled at fair crack cross he blew again so loud and clear through the grey mountain mist there did lances appear and the third blast rang with such a din that the echoes answered from pentoon lynn and all his riders came lightly in then had you seen a gallant shock when saddles were emptied and lances broke for each scornful word the galliard had said a beaterson on the field was laid his own good sword the chieftain drew and he bore the galliard through and through where the beaterson's blood mixed with the rill the galliard's whore men call it still the scots have scattered the beaterson clan in eskdale they left but one landed man the valley of esk from the mouth to the source was lost and won for that bonny white horse thirteen Whitslade the hawk and headshaw came and warriors more than i may name from yarrow clue to hind horse swear from woodhouse lee to chester glen trooped man and horse and bow and spear their gathering word was bellenden and better hearts o'er border sod to siege or rescue never rode the lady marked the aids come in and high her heart of pride arose she bade her youthful son attend that he might know his father's friend and learn to face his foes the boy is ripe to look on war i saw him draw a crossbow stiff and his true arrow struck afar the raven's nest upon the cliff the red cross on a southern breast is broader than the raven's nest thou witslade shall teach him his weapon to wield and o'er him hold his father's shield fourteen well may you think the wily page cared not to face the lady sage he counterfeited childish fear and shrieked and shed full many a tear and moaned and plained in manner wild the attendants to the lady told some fairy sure had changed the child that wont to be so free and bold then wrathful was the noble dame she blushed blood-red for very shame hence ere the clan his faintness view hence with the weakling to Buclue what tinlin thou shalt be his guide to wrangleburn's lonely side sure some fell fiend has cursed our line that coward should e'er be son of mine fifteen 
a heavy task what tinlin had to guide the counterfeited lad soon as the palfrey felt the weight of that ill-omened elfish freight he bolted sprung and reared amain nor heeded bit nor curb nor rein it cost what tinlin mickle toil to drive him but a scottish mile but as a shallow brook they crossed the elf amid the running stream his figure changed like forming dream and fled and shouted lost 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 full fast the urchin ran and laughed but faster still a cloth-yard shaft whistled from startled tinlin's yew and pierced his shoulder through and through although the imp might not be slain and though the wound soon healed again yet as he ran he yelled for pain and what of tinlin much aghast rode back to branksome fiery fast sixteen soon on the hill's steep verge he stood that looks o'er branksome's towers and wood and martial murmurs from below proclaimed the approaching southern foe through the dark wood in mingled tone were border pipes and bugles blown the courser's neighing he could ken a measured tread of marching men while broke at times the solemn hum the almain's sullen kettle-drum and banners tall of crimson sheen above the copse appear and glistening through the hawthorn's green shine helm and shield and spear seventeen light foreigners first to view the ground spurred their fleet coursers loosely round behind in close array and fast the kendal archers all in green obedient to the bugle-blast advancing from the wood were seen to back and guard the archer band lord dacre's billmen were at hand a hardy race on earthing bread with kirtles white and crosses red arrayed beneath the banner tall that streamed o'er acres conquered wall and minstrels as they marched in order played noble lord dacre he dwells on the border eighteen behind the english bill and bow the mercenaries firm and slow moved on to fight in dark array by conrad led of wolfenstein who brought the band from distant rhine and sold their blood for foreign pay the camp their home their law the sword they knew no country owned no lord they were not armed like england's sons but bore the levin darting guns buff coats all franced and broidered o'er and morsing horns and scarfs they wore each better knee was bared to aid the warriors in the escalade all as they marched in rugged tongue songs of teutonic feuds they sung nineteen but louder still the clamour grew and louder still the minstrels blew when from beneath the greenwood tree rode forth lord howard's chivalry his men-at-arms with glaive and spear brought up the battle's glittering rear there many a youthful knight full keen to gain his spurs in arms was seen with favour in his crest or glove memorial of his lady-love so rode they forth in fair array till full their lengthened lines display then called a halt and made a stand and cried st george for merry england twenty now every english eye intent on branksome's armoured towers was bent so near they were that they might know the straining harsh of each crossbow on battlement and bartizan gleamed axe and spear and partisan falcon and culver on each tower stood prompt their deadly hail to shower and flashing armour frequent broke from eddying whirls of sable smoke whereupon tower and turret head the seething pitch and molten lead reeked like a witch's cauldron red while yet they gaze the bridges fall the wicket opes and from the wall rides forth the hoary seneschal 
21. Armoured he rode, all save the head, his white beard o'er his breastplate spread. Unbroke by age, erect his seat, he ruled his eager courser's gait, forced him with chastened fire to prance and high curvetting slow advance. In sign of truce, his better hand displayed a peeled willow wand. His squire, attending in the rear, bore high a gauntlet on a spear. When they espied him riding out, Lord Howard and Lord Dacre stout sped to the front of their array to hear what this old knight should say. 22. Ye English warden lords, of you demands the Lady of Buccleuch, why against the truce of border tide in hostile guise ye dare to ride? With Kendall bow and Gilsland brand, and all yon mercenary band upon the bounds of fair Scotland. My lady reads you swift return, and if but one poor straw you burn, or do our towers so much molest as scare one swallow from her nest, St. Mary, but we'll light a brand shall warm your hearths in Cumberland. 23. A wrathful man was Dacre's lord, but Karma Howard took the word. May it please thy dame, Sir Seneschal, to seek the castle's outward wall. Our poor suivant at arms shall show both why we came and when we go. The message sped, the noble dame to the wall's outward circle came. Each chief around leaned on his spear to see the poor appear. All in Lord Howard's livery dressed, the lion argent decked his breast. He led a boy of blooming hue. Oh, sight to meet a mother's view. It was the heir of great Buccleuch. Obeisance meet the herald maid, and thus his master's will, he said. 24. It irks, high dame, my noble lords, gainst lady fair to draw their swords. But yet they may not tamely see all through the western wardenry. Your law-contemning kinsmen ride, and burn and spoil the border-side. And ill beseems your rank and birth to make your towers a Flemen's firth. We claim from thee William of Deloraine, that he may suffer March treason pain. It was but last St. Cuthbert's even he pricked to Stapleton on Leven, harried the lands of Richard Musgrave, and slew his brother by dint of glaive. Then, since a lone and widowed dame these restless riders may not tame, either receive within thy towers two hundred of my master's powers, or straight they sound their warrison, and storm and spoil thy garrison. And this fair boy to London led, shall good King Edward's page be bred. 25. He ceased, and loud the boy did cry, and stretched his little arms on high, implored for aid each well-known face, and strove to seek the dame's embrace. A moment changed that lady's cheer, gushed to her eye the unbidden tear. She gazed upon the leaders round, and dark and sad each warrior frowned. Then deep within her sobbing breast, she locked the struggling sigh to rest. Unaltered and collected stood, and thus replied, in dauntless mood. 26. Say to your lords of high emprise, who wore on women and on boys, that either William of Deloraine will cleanse him by oath of March treason stain, or else he will the combat take against Musgrave for his honour's sake. No knight in Cumberland so good but William may count with him kin and blood. Knighthood he took of Douglas's sword, when English blood swelled Ancrum's ford. And but Lord Dacre's steed was white, and bare him ably in the flight, himself had seen him dubbed a knight. 
for the young heir of Branksome's line, God be his aid and God be mine. Through me no friend shall meet his doom. Here, while I live, no foe finds room. Then if thy lords their purpose urge, take our defiance loud and high. Our slogan is their like-wake dirge, our moat the grave where they shall lie. 27. Proud she looked round, applause to claim. Then lightened Thurston's eye of flame, his bugle what of hardened blue. Pencils and pennons wide were flung, to heaven the border slogan rung, St. Mary for the young Buccleuch. The English war-cry answered wide, and forward bent each southern spear. Each Kendall archer made a stride, and drew the bowstring to his ear. Each minstrel's war-note loud was blown. But ere a grey goose shaft had flown, a horseman galloped from the rear. 28. Ah, noble lords, he breathless said, what treason has your march betrayed? What make you here from aid so far, before you walls, around you war? Your foemen triumph in the thought that in the toils the lions caught. Already on dark Rubus law the Douglas holds his weapon sure. The lancers waving in his train clothed the dun heath like autumn grain, and on the Liddell's northern strand to bar retreat to Cumberland, Lord Maxwell ranks his merry men good beneath the eagle and the rood and jedwood esk and teviotdale have to proud angus come and all the Murs and lauderdale have risen with haughty hume an exile from northumberland in liddesdale i've wandered long but still my heart was with merry england and cannot brook my country's wrong and hard i've spurred all night to show the mustering of the coming foe twenty nine and let them come fierce dacre cried for soon yon crest my father's pride that swept the shores of judah's sea and waved in gales of galilee from branksome's highest towers displayed shall mock the rescue's lingering aid level each harquebus on row draw merry archers draw the bow up billmen to the walls and cry dacre for england win or die thirty yet here quoth howard calmly here nor deem my words the words of fear for who in field or foray slack saw the blanched lion e'er fall back but thus to risk our border flower in strife against a kingdom's power ten thousand scots gainst thousands three certes were desperate policy nay take the terms the lady made ere conscious of the advancing aid let musgrave meet fierce deloraine in single fight and if he gain he gains for us but if he's crossed, tis but a single warrior lost. The rest, retreating as they came, avoid defeat and death and shame. 31. Ill could the haughty Dacre brook his brother warden's sage rebuke, and yet his forward step he stayed, and slow and sullenly obeyed. But ne'er again the border side did these two lords in friendship ride, and this slight discontent men say, cost blood upon another day. 32. The poor Swivant at arms again before the castle took his stand. His trumpet called, with parleying strain, the leaders of the Scottish band. And he defied, in Musgrave's right, stout Deloraine to single fight. A gauntlet at their feet he laid, and thus the terms of fight he said. 
if in the lists good musgrave's sword vanquish the knight of deloraine your youthful chieftain branksome's lord shall hostage for his clan remain if deloraine foil good musgrave the boy his liberty shall have howe'er it falls the english band unharming scots by scots unharmed in peaceful march like men unarmed shall straight retreat to cumberland thirty three unconscious of the near relief the proffer pleased each scottish chief though much the lady sage gainsaid for though their hearts were brave and true from jedward's recent sack they knew how tardy was the regent's aid and you may guess the noble dame durst not the secret prescience own sprung from the art she might not name by which the coming help was known closed was the compact and agreed that lists should be enclosed with speed beneath the castle on a lawn they fixed the morrow for the strife on foot with scottish axe and knife at the fourth hour from peep of dawn when deloraine from sickness freed or else a champion in his stead should for himself and chieftain stand against stout musgrave hand to hand thirty four i know right well that in their lay full many minstrels sing and say such combat should be made on horse on foaming steed in full career with brand to aid when as the spear should shiver in the course but he the jovial harper taught me yet a youth how it was fought in guise which now i say he knew each ordinance and clause of black lord archibald's battle laws in the old douglas's day he brooked not he that scoffing tongue should tax his minstrelsy with wrong or call his song untrue for this when they the goblet plied and such rude taunt had chafed his pride the bard of rule he slew on teviot's side in fight they stood and tuneful hands were stained with blood where still the thorns white branches wave memorial o'er his rival's grave thirty five why should i tell the rigid doom that dragged my master to his tomb how Usnam's maidens tore their hair, wept till their eyes were dead and dim, and wrung their hands for love of him who died at Jedward Air. He died, his scholars one by one, to the cold silent grave are gone, and I, alas, survive alone, to muse o'er rivalries of awe and grieve that I shall hear no more the strains with envy heard before. For with my minstrel brethren fled, my jealousy of song is dead. he paused the listening dames again applaud the hoary minstrel's strain with many a word of kindly cheer in pity half and half sincere marvelled the duchess how so well his legendary song could tell of ancient deeds so long forgot of feuds whose memory was not of forests now laid waste and bare of towers which harbour now the hare of manners long since changed and gone of chiefs who under their grey stone so long had slept that fickle fame had blotted from her rolls their name and twined round some new minion's head the fading wreath for which they bled in sooth twas strange this old man's verse could call them from their marble hearse the harper smiled well pleased for ne'er was flattery lost on poets ear a simple race they waste their toil for the vain tribute of a smile in when in age their flame expires her dulcet breath can fan its fires 
their drooping fancy wakes at praise and strives to trim the short-lived blaze smiled then well pleased the aged man and thus his tale continued ran end of canto fourth